Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The story of rock and roll is littered with many artists who died before their time, for whom fame was fleeting, who dropped out for any number of reasons, but few match the story of Sid Barrett, one of the founding members and initial songwriter and leader of one of the legendary rock bands of all time, Pink Floyd. In this beautifully done documentary film, Have You Got It Yet? The Story of Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd, co-director Roddy Bogawa pulls back the curtain on the relationship he shared with band members, with members of his family, with people who knew him best, to begin to unravel the story of Sid Barrett and his life. Once again, we're joined today by the director of Have You Got It Yet? The Story of Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd, and that would be Roddy Bogawa. Roddy, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this documentary film. Uh, I I remember a lot of this, uh, unfortunately and fortunately. Uh, this period of time, there was so much going on in terms of music and culture and politics. And in many ways, Sid Barrett was, as was described in the film, some guy who was in the band before it became famous. That's And then there were store, other stories that I had heard. So thank you for this, because I think it's so illuminating. How did you get onto this project? Well, I, you know, I'd done a film on Storm. Uh, Storm was part of the group Hypnosis, the design company. There's a new film that's just coming out that Anton Corbin made uh, about them. But uh, I had done a film on Storm's work in 2000. I think I started it in 2007 and it came out in 2000. We screened it in 2011 at South by Southwest. And during the course of making the film um, with Storm, which he kind of gave me complete free reign, uh, shot a lot in, in the UK, interviewed Robert Plant, David Gilmore, Nick Mason, and Steve Miller, all these people he had done covers with. Uh, Storm and I became very close to the point where he would call me up and say, I need a thousand teddy bears, Roddy, by Friday for a cover for Muse. Can you can you source that? I'll fly you over to London first class. Uh, you know, and, and I produced a couple of of album cover shoots in New York for him, building fake walls and things like that. But we came very close and and um, he developed colon cancer, sadly. And, you know, I was researching uh, treatments in the States and things like that. And then one day we screened the film in Los Angeles, the film on Storm. And Rob Dickinson, who was in the band Catherine Wheel, who's in the film, said to Storm, Storm, Roddy should do the film about Sid Barrett that hasn't been done, the real proper film. And Storm said, hmm, Interesting. And then the next morning, literally at breakfast, Storm turned to me and said, what do you know about Sid Barrett, Roddy? What do you know? <laughs> and uh, I, 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 you know, stopped eating my eggs and I said, uh, well, you know, uh, I was in a band in college and, and the bass player loved Piper at the Gates of Dawn and we would try and learn Sid Barrett songs and we couldn't figure them out. <laughs> and so my, my first memory is being pissed off at trying to learn these songs. <laughs> But then I also told him, and I said, I, but I love his his lyrics and his solo records. You know, they're very poetic for me. And then Storm said, well, maybe you are the one. And then Storm said, if you want to make a movie about Sid, I grew up with all of them. I grew up with Roger, David, Sid, you know, the girlfriends. I can produce it. You can direct it. And I said, Storm, I need two months off from you. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say yes here at breakfast right now. But uh, in those two months, I went away to Europe for, for the summer holidays, and I took the main biographies about Sid, and I took the documentaries that had been done on him. And I came back and I said, you know, Storm, I know you don't know my work, but I think it's an inherent dramatic pre premise that people don't know what happened to him. And so I'm in. Uh, I see something there, you know, and, and the films are pretty superficial, you know, they're, they're pretty classic kind of BBC type movies. And so I thought we could do a more personal film on, on Sid, you know, literally again, the phone rang and Storm, I picked up and Storm said, Roddy, I'm in Los Angeles right now. I didn't even know he was in the States. And he said, I'm about to interview Cedric from the Mars Volta for the Sid film. Are you coming or not? Where are you? And I said, I was in New York and I said, Storm, I, I'm in New York, you know, I can't just jump on a plane and be there. What, what happened was, which I didn't realize until in hindsight later on, was that his cancer had come back. His, his colon cancer had been in remission. I talk about this a lot. It was like a sprint, basically. You know, the film was like a sprint and then a marathon race after that. And so he, he wanted to do as much as he could on the film. And so in London, he started interviewing people. And I also realized he was using it as an excuse to say goodbye to all their friends, which yeah. was kind of kind of powerful for me. But, you know, I did the interviews in New York. I interviewed Mick Rock. I went with Storm when we interviewed Roger Waters. You know, I was there for that. So, um, but that but that's how it sort of happened. You know, it was just basically pondering the idea of doing a, a, a kind of more personal film about Sid. And, and, you know, a lot of it rooted in the memory of all the friends, essentially. And that it is. It is a personal film. It is a film about Sid Barrett. Storm, the, the documentary you were referring to, uh, Square, Squaring the Circle, about his work as an accomplished artist in terms of uh, so many iconic album covers that I grew up with. It's good to hear his voice in it because you can tell there's a film familiarity and the people he's talking to, occasionally you hear them addressing him directly, and you can hear that 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 very that comfort level, that that uh, sense of knowing each other, which really, yeah, as I said, really comes across in the film. Pink Floyd was, as we know them today, are just a massively popular band. I mean, it's on a scale the likes of which few rock bands have ever achieved. I mean, I think they have the highest selling album of all time in terms of rock music, right? Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And yet it's so cool to see how they started as basically kids and how to this day, it's they still give so much credit and so much appreciation to Sid for what he did for them, everything, right? I mean, I really yeah. want to talk about that part of the film because that's the thing that comes across. Yeah, I mean, he was... You know, he was the one that named the band, right? He named them Pink Floyd. You know, the story is that they had all these different names. I think the last one they had was the T-Set, maybe, and they played a gig and there was another band called the T-Set. And so <laughs> Sid, right off the cuff, just said, oh, our name's Pink Floyd, the Pink Floyd. And, it, you know, it was after the two blues players, you know, uh, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council, right? So he just, you know, that was kind of the lateral thinking that he had. Even on their earliest recordings, you know, which, you know, were existing on bootlegs, but now have come out officially on the early years stuff that Pink Floyd's released. You know, they're playing R&B stuff, but it's already a little bit mutated, you know, so like I'm a King B. I mean, there's some strange stuff in it. So I think right from the beginning, 
um, you know, and Roger, you know, says this very generously in the movie, you know, I think right from the beginning, he was changing the direction of the band, you know, even when they were coming out of R&B and blues stuff. Certainly by the time they put out Arnold Lane and CM Lee Play, uh, they're doing stuff that nobody else was doing. I mean, the the harpsichord breaks and CM Lee Play and some of the, the slide backwards guitar work, all these types of things. I mean, it was incredibly creative. Uh, Graham Coxon, he was in our film, but he didn't say this in our interview, but he said in some other interview about Sid that he did sonic paintbrushes, which I always thought was a beautiful <laughs> way to describe, you know, their early stuff. So I think he absolutely took the band in a certain direction. I mean, he certainly he wrote the first two charting songs. So that yeah, yeah. started their their career in terms of that, getting them on top of the pops and those types of things. But, you know, even Pink Floyd after David's come in and replaced Sid. There's a few records where they're still doing more experimental stuff. You know, Adam Hart Mother. Adam, Adam Hart Mother uh, was my first. Know. That was my first Pink Floyd album. Was Adam? Oh Hart. yeah, yeah. I mean, and, they're 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 kind of peculiar records, and, yeah, and you know, yeah. and then they find kind of I think you know I think one of the benchmark moments is is metal, right? In terms yeah. of that, where they're gonna they're gonna become the Pink Floyd of, yes. of you know of Dark Side of the Moon era. They needed that kind of you know uh, jumpstart to to go from just being an R&B band, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, you could see it in other bands, you know, the Yardbirds going to Led Zeppelin, you know, that, that, that leap Jimmy Page makes, you know, so I think it was, you're, you're right. It was in the air. There was, you know, yeah. if you think about it in that moment, music, politics, fashion, art, this is the rise of David Hockney, all that stuff yeah. swirling around. I mean, it must, you know, an LSD is being part of the, the, the mind expansion stuff happening. It, you know, created a crazy kind of stew. I never talk about Pink Floyd as space rock, but you know, created this this moment where you know there was certainly a lot of experimentation. Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth saw the film in London. He was he was at our screening. I, I met him and we hung out afterwards. And I was like, ah, I see the noise guitar and pop <laughs> pop music structure. Oh, there is there is a line. It's you know, there's a line through all of it. So I think, you know, it was, it was quite amazing moment. And Sid was definitely at the center of it. You know, Bowie talks about that in many interviews, that Sid was the guy, you know, and certainly Mark Boland comes after him in that trajectory. Yeah. And I would, you know, as far as contemporaries, the music, you mentioned the harpsichord, there was there was a sort of a traditional British element in it. That, and the harpsichord kind of refers to that. And I would think of the early, early kinks as kind of in that same, they were operating that, that what do they call it? Um, ball, not ballroom. I think that's what it was. British ballroom music or whatever it was. But it was, but then, as you said, he's got the, whatever it was, he was sliding on the, the lighter, the cigarette lighter, he's sliding up and down the guitar, turning it into something very different. And it's that sense of creativity, you know, good and bad. Right. You take the take the not so good with the with the great. And if you can hang with that, if you can appreciate this is a work in progress for somebody who's emerging as something else into something else. I think it's this film does justice to that. I really appreciate that, that about that. I hope it, that that's a big part of it for me. Absolutely. You know that. And, and I think you're right. Probably the Kinks were the only other band singing in British accents, I think, at that moment. Right. Yeah, that was one of the things, too. But. Yeah, certainly the I love the Kinks and they they have all that jaunty 
piano stuff too. Yeah, the jaunty piano, Uh, yes. Well, about the same time, there was kind of a revival of British folk music, popular, like Steel Ice Band. There was these bands that were running around, John Martin. There were people that were doing... They were bringing these elements in, and they were updating it. So again, there yeah. there was there's a lot to be appreciated about this era. But I I'd be remiss if I, we didn't talk about the person Sid Barrett. I mean, we I'd love to talk all night about about him, the music, and all the, all of the things that he he and the and his kindred spirits uh, came up with. But it, the film is also doesn't shy away from talking about the things that were going on in his life and how it impacted him. Let's talk about Sid Barrett and his personal life and what he was going through and how that emerges in the film. I mean, I think one of the things that intrigued me about the story is exactly what you're saying, which is that in some ways it's a it's a story that's been repeated, right? Or history rhymes. You know, it's a story of I haven't seen the new Brian Jones documentary, but I want to see that. But it's Brian Jones with the Stones, it's Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, you know, it's Roki Erickson, it's Arthur Lee. Uh, yeah, and it, and it's even you know Kurt Cobain. You know, it's these people that were incredibly creative, and they find their pathway to being able to express it. But then success comes in, and once success comes in, you know how it changes everything about them, their personalities, their you know how they deal with that, the fame, and and so forth like that. And so I think that that's a big part of the story for me. You know that it's about the choices that you make right in your life that he was a painter first in art school and then he you know his band takes off and he makes you know he makes a a beeline to that and then it's not what he wants you know it's not all the things that fulfilled him um i remember one of the most heartbreaking things i ever read about nirvana was when kurt cobain said i'm really sad because like we just played this gig and i looked out in the audience and it was everybody that used to beat me up when i was in high school you know, th- that kind of pathos, I think, is is very powerful. And I hope some of that comes out in the film. You know, I don't, you know, people ask, is it a sad story? And I think there's elements of it being a sad story because it's unresolved. But I hope it's all these things, you know, that it's, it's a complex kind of portrait or mosaic. Storm used to say this is a mosaic of this character because it's constructed from all the memories. So I hope it, you know, gives all those different elements and people can kind of piece it together from that. You know, I, I call it the residue of his life and his legacy as a musician, but it's also the the lessons learned. You know, I think we're getting better about addressing mental health issues or where people are on a particular spectrum of of where, you know, our brains and all the rest of it. So that's becoming, thankfully, more and more part of our conversations. By the way, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking of Roddy Bogawa. He is the co director along with Storm Thurgerson, who is uh, no longer with us, big part of the, the life and times of Pink Floyd and Sid Barrett. Um, the film is coming out here in Los Angeles at the Monica Center on uh, July 21st, as well as the NoHo, Lemley NoHo Theater on also on July 21st. It'll be in New York beginning on um, July 14th. And you said the quad, is that where it's going to be? The quad? Yes, it's going to be at the quad. Yeah. Excellent place to go see a film. And uh, just in the last couple of minutes, um, we have, I, I mean, the filmmaking is great. I just like, I just, there's so much to recommend about the film. And I'm so glad to see David and Roger in the same, in the same film, at least. Uh, and I, I think most people know there was, there's been a kind of a big split, a big rift between uh, David Gilmore and Roger Waters for a long time. So 
thanks thanks for bringing them together uh, cinematically. And uh, I, you know, as someone who has always shied away from big popular bands, I find they're usually oftentimes not my cup of tea. I'll put it that way. But Pink Floyd is one of those bands. I think that it has held up pretty well from from the start to the to the if you call it the finish where we are now. I think they've held up pretty well. Absolutely. Probably it's it's amazing that the two bands that my students, my film students still listen to, you know, this generation after generation, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, they've been able to transcend and jump across generations. You know, it's amazing. And Pink Floyd's interesting because of all the different periods. You know, I wasn't one that said, I like this period of Pink Floyd. I mean, they went through this very interesting arc all the way through their career, of course, made stellar music along they, they you know really along did. the way so yeah. and it has to a test of time as they and, say right well it doesn't hurt that they have one of the greatest guitarists in the history of rock music that's absolutely <laughs> true not a bad not a bad guitar player <laughs> that's, not, that's not a that's not a bad guy to have on your not, team if you're playing in this realm so yes. uh not not shabby songwriting or <laughs> yeah yeah yes. songwriters the whole package but i want to thank you so much uh, again have you got it yet? The story of Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd. It's a film that it just, it just from start to finish, it's interesting, and and especially is to sort of myth myth breaking as well in terms of what happened to Sid Barrett. And uh, you got some wonderful people to be involved in the project. And my congratulations, posthumously to Storm, but as well as you, Roddy Bogawa. Thank you so very much for your time, and uh, appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 